From our offices in Media City, Dubai, I'm John Lillywhite and this is the UAE Tech Podcast Expo Edition, a celebration of how technology is reshaping culture, economics and governance for the 21st century, brought to you by Albawaba Business. If you're interested in sponsoring the UAE Tech Podcast, tune in at the end of this episode for more information. We call it innovation diplomacy, meaning in other words, we are trying to take the advantage of the Israeli innovation and, and try to distribute this message around the world in order to achieve more traction and more opportunities for our high-tech ecosystem. It can be a business traction, it can be a leadership traction, it can be even a manpower traction, um, and also training, which is something which is extremely important today um, in the UAE of developing the generation, next generation of entrepreneurs. Getting back to the Ministry of Food Security and Agriculture, I think this is exactly uh, where we as an organization would like to be, meaning identifying uh, the challenges, the pain points of the UAE and the, let's say, the target of the UAE government to develop a, various, a variety uh, of technologies in the spectrum of food, water, um, and agriculture, and so on, and bring our expertise as a country and as an ecosystem for this specific pain point. It's been two years since the Abraham Accords were signed between the UAE and Israel in September 2020. Fast forward to today, March 2022, and the world is a slightly different place. Dubai is coming towards the end of hosting the expo. We're still wearing face masks, but there are signs COVID-19 is beginning to subside. But there are other developments on the horizon too, including increasing evidence of tech diplomacy between the two countries. Eliran Elamelek is VP of Strategic Partnerships at Startup Nation Central, an independent nonprofit connecting business, government and NGO leaders across the world with Israeli innovation expertise. The UAE Minister for Water and Food Security, Her Excellency Maryam bint Mohammed Al-Mehri, recently visited the center to explore agri-food tech and water tech technologies. Both are strategic sectors of interest that speakers on the UAE Tech podcast have specifically highlighted in the past. A former commercial attaché in Beijing, Eloran provides an insight into the kind of tech diplomacy taking place at Startup Nation Central and moots the idea that longer term, Collaborating in training tech talent could be the smartest way to reflect the spirit of the Accords. Today we're talking with Eliran, VP of Strategic Partnerships at Startup Nation Central in Israel. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. So I saw a video of your new campus. It, it looks new anyway, and it looks amazing. Uh, super high tech, you know, lots of smiling young people walking around with laptops. Behind all the glitz and the glam, what do you guys actually do? Thanks a lot. Yeah, we are actually an NGO headquartered in Tel Aviv and also offices in Jerusalem. We are around 100 employees. Um, we are about 10 years old. And our main aim as an organization is to strengthen the Israeli high-tech sector. This is a very important sector within the Israeli economy. A group of around 400 employees contributes around 
14% to the GDP and around 40% of the total Israeli export. Um, we are a full philanthropy, no revenues, 100% agnostic, and we are here to support this amazing group of sectors. It's kind of an interesting role because I've heard about similar institutions kind of, kind of trying to bring talent in or export talent. But what you're saying is you're really looking at, at an industry basis and a government basis. And of course, Israel has a great story. You know, I, I think I read the population is around 9 million, not a massive country. And yet you have this global reputation for high tech uh, and deep tech infrastructure. So I guess two questions, really. How did that story, you know, quickly, why is it that Israel has developed such a strong tech industry? And what is your experience at, at Startup Nation Central of talking to people overseas, talking to the UAE and other countries about Israel technology and, and why other countries and other individuals might be interested in it? Sure. Um, first, I must say that uh, we try to keep this secret uh, among us of the population of Israel because many people think that Israel is a huge country, but the secret is that we are an extremely small country. Mm. Um, as you mentioned, 9 million. Um, and the total workforce in Israel is very similar to the size of Dubai, we can say, around 3.5 yeah. uh, million people, according to the OECD, considered to be the workforce in Israel. Um, and the story of Israel and how innovation have been developed in the country is, is indeed something which is very, very interesting. We often tend to communicate the story with three main elements, which are mainly the government, the military, and the culture. Uh, I will start with the culture. You know, this is um, actually a culture of immigrants. Many people came, um, by the way, extremely similar to the story of, of, of the UAE these days. Uh, many people came 50, 60, 70 years back from several countries all over the globe. My personal story is that my father came from Morocco when he was eight years old. My mother, she was born in Israel, but her family came from Turkey. Um, bunch of people coming from many places, uh, sitting in a very hostile area, full of droughts and, and healthcare challenges and water security challenges. Um, and they all need to get along. The problem is that the majority of them aren't speaking the same language and they're coming from extremely different backgrounds and cultures, but somehow they manage to build something here and to build something extremely developed. Um, and in a way, what we tend to mention is that those groups of people actually plant the seeds for innovation back then. Um, innovation out of necessity innovation out of survivalness, they needed to invent something in order to continue their life routines. So this is how the roots for water innovation started, for agriculture innovation started. And we see many of those spillovers happening up until even today. So this is one. Two is that the government in Israel is extremely involved in developing innovation. They managed to develop along the year several methodologies on how to identify where to be proactive and involved and where not to, which sometimes, as you probably know, as a tech leader, even way more important to, to, to let you as an yeah. entrepreneur to do whatever you'd like to do without someone else interfering you. So thanks to the Innovation Authority and thanks to several other ministerial agencies um, in the country, 
they managed to develop a very um, professional mechanism of support and impact. We are lucky to have um, within our agency, our organization, our CEO, actually, Mr. Avi Hassan, he's the former CEO of the Innovation Authority. He is actually the guy who took um, this administration of the Innovation Authority from a small office to a big entity. Um, and this is actually relies to what we are trying to do today as an organization, which is to create a direct impact, to see exactly what are the main pain points of the ecosystem and where we as an organization can intervene and create both long-term impact and also short-term impact. Um, I will elaborate more during our discussion, but we developed also a very proactive methodologies of, of impact. Um, and this is something that we are putting um, highly on, on the prioritization list for us during 2022. Uh, last important item is, of course, the military. Mm -hmm. The military plays a very important role here in the country. Um, I often call it a factory of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you can see also several trends along the years of what kind of entrepreneurs are getting out of this factory. Um, if they are more technology-oriented, customer-oriented, business-oriented, and, and you can see many examples of this, which I will be happy to develop. Yeah, it's an interesting story, isn't it? Because the states, you know, the emergence of the internet kind of had a lot of those things you talked about, a lot of long-term planning, a lot of government role, um, a role for, of course, DARPA and, and U.S. defense funding. And then, of course, it ended up at, at, at the universities. And I know in, here in the UAE, they're also thinking about how can universities in future kind of foster long-term R&D and innovation, you know, start planning it now, and maybe in five to 10 years or more, you start really seeing the results. Um, but, but yeah, and you were also talking about kind of the industries that Israel chooses to focus on and not focus on. And of course, some of those are strategic industries. So food safety and food security. And, and Israel, I think, is a leader in agri, food tech, and water tech. And of course, anyone who knows anything about the Middle East knows that those are two really critical areas. They're not just about, you know, they're about food security, they're about human security, um, they require a massive amount of innovation. And that, again, um, you, you, as you've already commented, UAE has similar def demographics in some ways to Israel and uh, also an emerging footprint in using technology that is beginning to be noticed all over the world. So I know that you had the uh, Minister uh, for Water and Food Security from the UAE visiting Startup Nation Central. So what, what kind of role did Startup Nation Central play there? And why was food security and water security so interesting to the UAE, particularly in regard to Israeli technology? So as an organization, we are trying to promote a vertical where we call it innovation diplomacy, meaning in other words, we are trying to take the advantage of the Israeli innovation and, and try to distribute this message around the world in order to achieve more traction and more opportunities for our high-tech ecosystem. It can be a business traction, it can be a leadership traction, it can be even a manpower traction, um, and also training which is something which is extremely important today um, in the UAE of developing the genera next generation of entrepreneurs. Getting back to the Ministry of Food Security and Agriculture, I think this is exactly uh, where we as an organization would like to be, meaning identifying uh, the challenges, the pain points of the UAE and the 
let's say, the target of the UAE government to develop a, various, a variety uh, of technologies in the spectrum of food, water, um, and agriculture, and so on, and bring our expertise as a country and as an ecosystem for this specific pain point. If it is via commercial collaborations, investments, tech exchange, IP exchange, and any kind of, com of other commercial business that might be um, of, of relevancy here. It's important also to mention that the, um, the let's say the targets of the UAE government when they are coming back to Israel, are, are, I'm clearly, I clearly remember the minister of uh, food security, Her Excellency, uh, Mr. Ms. Miriam, mentioned that she is extremely interested in accelerators, incubators, how we are operating them in Israel, who is financing them, what are the pros and cons of having those kind of entities in the country? Mm. Because this is something which is missing back in the UAE. Um, and again, this is exactly... That's really interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're getting into the kind of history of tech in the Middle East there, but uh, it, yeah, I mean, almost starting a decade ago, so kind of, you know, uh, not mid, kind of 2008 onwards, 2010, it started booming. You started seeing a lot of incubators around the Middle East um, in, in, you know, startup capitals like Dubai, uh, you had Amman, Beirut, and they have had some, some one or two very big companies come out of those, but they've also had a lot, a lot, an awful lot that didn't. And so there is a big debate on why some incubators have had successful companies in this part of the world and why others, uh, others kind of failed or, or despite significant um, traction to begin with, just fell off the radar. And um, I think there's there's lots of reasons, but but two reasons were at the time, obviously FinTech. So, um, you know, e-commerce was much harder here 10 years ago than probably in Israel, where a lot of that infrastructure already existed. But also there was a disconnect between policymakers and the government and what the incubators were doing. So you might have a really forward thinking incubation program and then foreign entrepreneurs couldn't get a visa or couldn't get a bank account. So, so it's catching up really quickly here. But of course, again, you know, in terms of incubating talent from, from university to after university and then putting them from a pipeline into, uh, you know, entrepreneurship or into a security, into a, um, a, a sector like food security is actually quite difficult. And Israel's managed to do that. What, I mean, is that something that Startup Nation advises on as well? You know, how to create those kind of clusters of talent and feed them into the wider industry? Because it is a very tough thing. Even the United Kingdom, you know, uh, struggles with that. And it seems to be something Israel's got right. So is that a cultural thing or is it, you know, the fact that government and business may be quite closely intertwined in Tel Aviv? Again, you know, I'm not, I'm not I don't know. I'm not an expert on what's going on there. So, I mean, there are several kind of different forces who are combining through a whole set of, of activities, mm. um, and, and they can be those parameters that will explain if an incubator is, is good or bad, successful, not successful. But there is one main item that I think is unique in the Israeli spectrum, which is the involvement of multinationals and global corporates in those kind of accelerators and incubators. This is 
an angle where we, as an organization, are promoting heavily. Um, we are trying to expose to them what can be done, what are their competitors, other competitors of them from various kinds of industries are doing in the country, in the frameworks of incubators and accelerators. And don't get it wrong, by the way, um, this is very helpful for us as a country as well. Meaning, with that, we, we just concluded a very um, interesting internal study trying to measure the survival rate of Israeli startups getting out of global corporate accelerators in the country. And the numbers are extremely interesting, meaning 90% of Israeli companies survived the COVID-19 last two years are um, an alumni of global accelerators in the country. Um, in comparing with several other companies who aren't part of those incubation and accelerator programs, and they found extremely, they found the last two years as extremely difficult period of time. So this is very important for us as a country, as an, as an ecosystem as well, to have those kind of global players. But this is um, a kind of, uh, let's say, a direct effect on the growth and the progress of those companies. And when we can see very clearly that whenever there are companies who are an alumni of such global accelerator or incubators, they most likely to be succeed uh, eventually. And again, as I mentioned, there are many other parameters, mm. um, such as location, geographic location, such as timing. Sometimes timing is also very important. We are now in, in, a, in, a, in a global hype of climate um, and, and environmental protection, SDGs. So there is a good timing now. This is a good, a perfect time to establish an incubator and accelerator in this specific domain, which again, we as an organization are doing a lot in this domain. But getting back to your question about what are the, let's say, the best practices in a way of establishing incubators and accelerators. Again, there are many, but something which is quite unique for us and for the UAE as well, I think is the global attention. There is yeah. a huge attention toward Israel and there is huge attention toward the UAE as an important player in the region. Um, and, and we are doing so, other colleagues of ours uh, from the Israeli government are sharing as well best practices and this is a common practice um, um, in the last year, I think, between the exchange between the two countries. Yeah, that makes sense. And thanks for that point on, on incubation and multinationals. Never, never really thought about that one. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. You know, Dubai has, as an UAE, served as a hub for a lot of business people all over the world. Israel, of course, has always been a famous hub. Um, and I know you've had a lot of a lot of experience as a commercial attaché in Beijing. Um, which must have been amazing experience between 2010 to 2015. So, you know, just what was that experience like? How did it feed into your current role now, which seems to have a, a strong element of tech diplomacy? And maybe what are the similarities between, you know, the the, the Chinese case study and, and the UAE case study today? It's a good question. Um, so yeah, a bit about my background. I served in China for four years as the commercial attaché of the Israeli embassy in Beijing. Back then, it was an interesting um, mm. opportunity for me. Um, I've been there together with my wife, and, and uh, we just got married. Oh, Mabruk, as they say in Arabic. Congratulations. Thank you very much. 
so uh, we, we just arrived there. It was minus 30 degrees. Um, <laughs> it was a big, wonderful, big, 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 <laughs> a wonderful yeah. opportunity to start the journey there. Absolutely. Yeah, but I, I did establish there a kind of an entity doing market access for Israeli companies in the region. I was the first one who established this office from within the embassy. Um, and this was, by the way, part of a feasibility study that we did in the government of what does it take to do a free trade area agreements between China and Israel. Um, so I don't know if, if you are sh if you're following the recent news in this angle, but moving forward 10 years to today, they just concluded round six or round seven of the negotiation, and, and it looks like this is something which is quite uh, being developed. In other words, this is an important angle for the development of Israel. And only last week, there was the first round of the free trade area agreement negotiation between the UAE and Israel, which is the former colleagues of mine from back then um, managed. And, and this is not a coincidence. I mean, the, there are sets of activities that needs to be done in order to develop what we called successful collaboration. One of them, of course, is exchange of ideas, notion, technologies, and so on. But the infrastructure for trade is something which is extremely important as well. How to ship your goods, how to make sure that you are you have a good protection in custom, in IP, in trademark, and so on. Um, this is what I did back then. My colleagues are still doing this with the UE angle today. Um, and this is one element. Second element I would like to emphasize is that I see many similarities between the, uh, let's say, the full picture of marriages, business marriages, uh, between Israel and China and Israel in the UAE. Because the biggest, let's say, um, notion or idea or the unique competitive advantage that Israeli companies are bringing to the table whenever there are such negotiations, it's actually the technology. And the other side would like to take this technology, establish a kind of a local JV, because their competitive advantage is actually the market. Yeah. So from one point of view, it's a win-win. I will bring the technology, you will bring the market, let's bring it together and let's rule the world in a way. Uh, yeah. But eventually when you are trying to take this down to earth, it's challenging. It's challenging because what we actually saying in other words is that the Israeli company in a way are saying goodbye to the region because there is another player who controlling the distribution and, and, and the trade channels in the region, which sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, but in general, this is the picture. Um, and again, this is the same story that happens to Israel 10, 12 years ago when, when there was a boom of, of business and relationship between China and Israel. Mm. Um, from a strategic point of view, my personal idea is that moving forward 10 years from now, I would like to see the relationship between Israel and the UAE more strategic in terms of businesses, not a kind of a one-off discussions, but rather a very comprehensive institutions and, um, and let's say a market exchange kind of, of activities that will be solid enough for, for many years ahead. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That's a really good overview. Thank you. And um, I mean, both countries have worked with China. You know, UAE has 5G rollout, working very closely with, with Huawei and other Chinese companies. Um, I know that Israel, until relatively recently, the Israel kind of high-tech clusters had a lot of um, work and overlap with, with Chinese companies. I don't know if that's still the same, but but I guess that the idea to leapfrog into a new stage of economic development, or perhaps that's the wrong word, but to work towards a new stage uh, of economic development using technology and incrementing R&D and collaborating with other countries is something that both the UAE and Israel are trying to do. And as you said, I guess part of the challenge is figuring out what works for, for both sides. So, I mean, it, it, in terms of Startup Central, what are some of the things that the ways you're hoping to collaborate with the ecosystem out here in the UAE in the future? So I will divide this question into, uh, let's say, two main elements. One is A to B, meaning we would like to continue and bring value to local corporates, to local challenges. We would like to continue and introducing them to relevant Israeli solutions and relevant Israeli tech in order to overcome the main pain points. Um, this is something that we actually, one of the foundations of our organization, we are doing this kind of processes and engagements with many other corporates around the globe. If you take the list of the top Forbes 500, you will see them, the majority of them considered to be our clients. Again, even though we are a non-for-profit, we still treat them as clients and give them the relevant value uh, because we highly appreciate their um, contribution to the development of the ecosystem. So this is something that we would like to do um, and continue to do with the UE as well. The other direction, I called it aid to the region, meaning we understood from, from the last year of communications with local corporates that even local corporates within the UE sees themselves as, an, as a players, as a regional players for the development of the Abraham Accords, meaning they would like to bring into the table their counterparts and business partners from Saudi Arabia, from Qatar, from other countries as well. Um, and, and, and this is something unique to our organization because we aren't a government, we are an NGO. Um, and if we will be able to develop a methodology of bringing Israeli innovation to tier two or tier three countries of the Abraham Accords, this is a big win for us. And this is something that um, will remain as well for many years ahead. Um, due to the history uh, of Israel in the region and due to the history of the Israeli story in the region, this is something that will change dramatically the, the, the picture. Um, this, is, this works for us as a country very well and in other places around the globe, I think, and I hope that it will be the same in the region. No, that, that makes sense. And particularly if you know there are other um, institutions or GCC-based individuals who want to work with the UAE, um, through the UAE and collaborating with, with Israeli tech. I mean, I guess that makes strategic sense. Now, um, you know, just kind of to finish up with the Abraham Accords, we started talking about the Abraham Accords on this podcast pretty, pretty close to... I think a couple of weeks after they were officially signed. And one of the first discussions we had on that was we were talking to um, 
a guy called uh, Dorian Barak about the technology and, and what everything meant. And, and we, one of the questions was, well, what do you think the strategic areas that the UAE and Israel can work on? Because there's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of, of noise. And then it's going to get really hard because everyone's going to have to figure out, you know, what can we practically do? What are the first things that we can start working on? And one of the things he did say was, well, you know, agri-tech and, and, and food security and water security are pretty non-contentious. And if you look at the demographics and the data, it makes sense for both sides. So, I mean, how is your sense from being in Israel of kind of popular opinion and, and the opinion of the tech community towards the, the direction the Abraham Accords are going in? And what do you think the future might bring? Sure. First, Dorian is a good friend. I mean, uh, we're sharing um, similar experience from the past, by the way, also in the Chinese angle. Um, Interesting. But, uh, but, but yeah. moving forward, I think um, that we are getting into the understanding of how to make it crystally clear what is the value that we can bring to the Emirates. I mean... One way to look at it is to say, yeah, we can bring more and more technologies. We can bring more and more um, solutions to, to, to solve the, the, the challenges, as I mentioned earlier. But I think there is another layer behind it. We are trying or start looking at areas of manpower, human capital, leadership, um, training, and I think that they will be the foundations of a successful collaboration eventually, meaning how to help the UE quest of developing entrepreneurial layer of youth, how to make sure that the, those young entrepreneurs who are traveling aboard, abroad to any of those Ivy League will get also a kind of a pure high-tech development capabilities. And this is something which is unique to Israel. And we believe that if we will be able to tackle those kind of activities before we are getting into the business aspect, the business aspect eventually will be way more successful. So this is the question that we are asking ourselves as an organization today. What are the foundations that we need to develop today of an exchange of innovation in order to assure the progress ahead of commercial collaborations again 5, 10, 15 years from now? This is something which I think is missing today in the discussion between the countries. There's a kind of a vacuum that we are trying to, to, to play within. Um, and stay tuned. I think that uh, the next couple of months and, and, and a few other projects that we will um, expose um, will be extremely relevant to what I've just described. That's a super smart strategy. The idea of um, <laughs> focusing on human relationships is much more sophisticated uh, than the conversation we were having even a year ago. Now, uh, you know, I haven't heard that strategy before. And of course, it ties into so many areas of policy that are already happening here in the UAE on there's a massive discussion, for example, just so you know, on R&D and kind of beginning to build up native capacity for R&D over the decades and really investing in that. And that has been um, 
in in some ways a, a relative a relative weakness alongside some some real strengths in other areas but that does feed into that point you made about you know nurturing talent uh, building up human infrastructure um building up kind of the ability to learn uh, and converge uh, bring different technologies together um so yeah definitely definitely keep an eye out on that one um Eleran, thank you so much for your time today thank you for introducing us to startup nation and giving us uh, an some interesting background on how you see relationships between israel and the uae developing with pleasure thanks a lot for having me and uh good luck hope to see you soon inshallah in tel aviv <laughs> inshallah Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Alboaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboaba Business, syndication distribution on Alboaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.